Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Again, we thank you for your mercy that is new for us every morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that you speak to us. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now and open your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are in our last week of our sermon series, We the Church. And uh, this week, to get us going, we need the help of the Philadelphia disco group, Sister Sledge, (laughs) which um, I'm sure you all have their work at home, their albums, Sister Sledge. It was made up of four sisters, the Sledge sisters. And uh, in the year 1979... When I was being born on the other side of Pennsylvania in the far superior town of Pittsburgh, they were in Philadelphia and they were releasing their breakthrough album called We Are Family. You guys know the title track well, We Are Family. You can actually find the video for it on YouTube. Uh, That's your homework after church today is go home and watch we Are Family, the video on YouTube, uh, and uh, it's this, the four girls, they're all sisters, and they're standing in front of a bad kind of studio street scene, and they're in matching bright red sparkly jumpsuits, and, uh, and they're just dancing, you know, in front of the screen, and it's pure 1979, and it is perfect. So go home and watch it, that's your, your homework. Uh, but fun fact, I mentioned that I'm from Pittsburgh, which I tell you probably every time I'm here. But uh, the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates, our baseball team there, they adopted that song as the official team song that year when they went on to win the World Series, We Are Family, 1979. It was the last time they won the World Series, too. So (laughs) Pittsburgh is a very sad place to be a baseball fan. Anyhow, you know the chorus. We are family. I got all my sisters with me. We are family. Get up, everybody, and sing. Right? We are family. And the, the verse that really pertains to us today goes like this. All of the people around us, they say, can they be that close? Just let me state for the record, we're given love and a family dose. It's great pure poetry, man. <laughs> I mean, this is, this, this is late 70s disco. Anyhow, uh, we're given love and a family dose. This is us. All right, we're talking about us, the church. We're talking about us as a family. We are family. Uh, this is our new family. No matter what kind of family you come from, biologically, you know, your natural family, you, as a Christian, have a new family, and it is the body of Christ. Today, in our really short gospel passage, uh, we see a lot of meaning packed in there, and we see Jesus expanding our understanding of family. He reveals that our spiritual bonds as fellow believers run deeper than our, any of our natural familial bonds, right? It's thicker than blood, our spiritual connection. And Matthew's version of this is pretty short, and it's straightforward. Previously in this chapter, Jesus had been healing, he had been teaching, he had been casting out demons, <clears throat> and big crowds had begun to follow him. And because of the size of the crowds, uh, his mothers and his brother, his mother and his brothers, when they come to see him, they can't get to him. So they're still outside of the house. And they send somebody in, and they, this person tells Jesus, Hey, your mom and your brothers are here to see you. And that's when Jesus redefines family in that moment. 
He says, my family is made up of those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And in this account, uh, we see Matthew emphasizing that the thing that really ties us together is our faith. It's uh, how God's word has impacted us, how it's changed our hearts and then changed our desires. And we're going to unpack that as we go along here. Before we do that, I think it's important to bring in Mark's account as well. This is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, in Mark's account, we see the same event, but Mark gives us more detail. And he reveals to us that even Jesus, even our Lord and Savior, had interesting family dynamics, right? And this is good news for any of us who come from families. Uh, He tells us that Jesus' mother and brothers didn't simply want to see him. They were actually coming to collect him and corral him, kind of get some control on this. Because you see, Jesus was starting to get a reputation. He was developing a reputation for himself. He was this guy who was known for healing people. That's why the crowds were following him. He was becoming known as a friend of sinners, uh, which, you know, that's not necessarily a good title. And we think that's a great title today, but not for them in the Jewish world back then. And, And actually... He was being accused by the Pharisees of being possessed because he had been casting out demons. And they said, only by the power of Beelzebub, of the power of Satan, can you cast out demons. And so Jesus was getting a reputation. And they came to collect him. And we hear Mark say this. Mark says, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. So that's what was being said about Jesus. And his family heard that. He was upsetting the religious leaders. He was being accused of all of these things. And they were a good Jewish family, and this was making them look bad. This was not good. And it was making Jesus look bad. So they come trying to corral Jesus. He was disrupting the status quo. And this is good news for any of us, because Jesus came from a codependent family. This is great. I mean, come on. This is truly helpful because all of us do too. We just don't know it all the time. But all of our families have this kind of wonderful dysfunction to them. And uh, we see Jesus, uh, Mary and his brothers coming, trying to take responsibility for his actions and trying to bring some control back to the situation, trying to reestablish the status quo. And when you hear Mark's account of the story, it really changes why Jesus responds the way he does for us. It gives it more color. You can almost see the faces in the crowd, too, when this happens. It's like a scene in junior high, right? You know, Jesus is hanging out with his friends, and they're like, dude, his mom is outside. You know, you can, it's like it's his mom. You can just see it. It's like junior high all over again. You've all had those moments. And, um, and it's pretty clear that Jesus understood why they had come when he responds the way he does. He knew that they were coming out of fear, He knew that they were coming out of concern for the family reputation and, by extension, his reputation. And he reveals that such things were not important at all compared to the work of God. His family had their mind on earthly temporal concerns, and he had his mind on the will of his Father. And Jesus shows us here that if we ever find ourselves in that bind where we're feeling the pull between what our family uh, wants us to do, and doing what God is calling us to do, that God always takes precedent. 
I think it's incredibly helpful that this happens within the family because all of us come from families and our family ties are often the strongest things we feel in terms of our relationships. Now you might think, oh, well, you know, my family lives in California or whatever and I live here in Charleston, so I've got lots of space. Well, I bet you you're here this, as far as you physically can be away from them geographically and still be an American, right? Because there's some family ties there. This is the way things are. You know, think of your family. Who else in your life knows how to push your buttons and knows how to get under your skin than your family? You know, your parents or your siblings, if you had any. I mean, these are the people that know us best. And, you know, they're broken just like we are. And so we often feel that pull, we feel that pressure, and we see here... that Jesus shows us that differentiation is actually a healthy thing. (laughs) It's okay to differentiate. We actually need to. He shows us that our walk with him can often create tension within those families. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that in your family, that your walk with Jesus creates tension with some of your family members. You know, that has certainly been the case in my life. He might call us to do things or to go places that defy family expectations. Or, you know, that blow up family traditions, maybe. You know, you're, you're supposed to be the fourth lawyer, you know, the fourth generation of lawyers or something, and you want to go be a priest. Not that that's autobiographical. Um, <clears throat> it's not, actually, because my dad's not a lawyer, but he's a businessman, so, you know, I did not follow in his footsteps, though, that idea. You know, what do you want to do? Uh, how are you going to make any money? That's always the question when you say, I want to go into ministry. How are you going to make any money? Um, you know, these ideas that Jesus' call in our life actually might uh, disrupt our family system. And what Jesus shows us is true with his family. It's often true with ours. The motivations are relatively superficial usually. You know, um, who cares about money? Like that kind of idea. You know, oh, money's the problem. Or, or you know, they're worried about fear. They're worried about uh, Jesus getting a bad reputation. The, the motivations for trying to control often come from a place of misunderstanding. And the thing I love about what we see with Jesus here is he actually doesn't react. Jesus doesn't try to fix it for his mom and his brothers. You know, he doesn't run out and say, oh, you know, it's fine, it's fine. He doesn't try to explain it to them. He lets them have their reaction He doesn't fix it for them. He gives them space. They can have the space to have their emotional reaction. And he just stays about what he's about. He stays focused on what he's doing. And that is this mission to expand his spiritual family. That's what he's doing here. He's redefining family. He's saying that uh, what I'm about is bringing people into my father's family. Making disciples. It's what we talk about here at Holy Cross all the time. God's family growing. It's one of the main fruits of Jesus' ministry. Paul tells us very clearly that because Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead and giving us new life, he welcomes us into the family of God. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, 
fellow heirs with Christ. That's dramatic. You've become royalty because of Jesus. It's not just any family. This is the family of the God of the universe. Our understanding of ourselves and of our place in a family is much bigger than it used to be. It's important to note also that this is not at the expense of our actual natural families. You know, don't hear me saying that you should just go tell your families, you know, to take a hike. It's not at the expense of our natural families on earth. I don't know about you, but very often um, our families are actually the, the ones that help us come to know the Lord. That was my experience. My mother believed in Jesus Christ. I was born to her, thank God, and she wanted to share him with me at a very young age. And so I became a believer at four years old because of my mom. I wouldn't be standing up here today if it weren't for my mother. And that's probably true for some of you. We have family members that introduced you to the Lord for the first time. And at the same time, I have family members that don't believe. As I said, there's tension at times in my family because of my faith, because of the faith of some of my siblings, and some that don't have faith. And so there are interesting conversations at Thanksgiving, right? Here we, it's November, so uh, get ready. Um, there are interesting conversations, but the thing that I also know is that God has put me in my family, and that's not a mistake. Just like it wasn't a mistake to be born to my mother, it's not a mistake to have the siblings that I have, and he has made that part of my call, to be a minister in my family, to witness to his love, to those who don't know him. And that's part of what we see Jesus doing here, is he's calling his natural family into something bigger calling the natural family into his spiritual family. We have this larger perspective because of our church family now. It's one of, the, one of the greatest things that I get to share with some of my siblings is that they understand that perspective. It is a true gift. If you have a family member that believes, it's one of the, one of the most precious things to be able to share that with somebody who you also share blood with. And <clears throat> what we see here is that Jesus taking this stand doesn't dishonor his mother It doesn't uh, disrespect his brothers. He's taking a stand, putting the natural family in the proper perspective of God's family, and the fruit of it is clear. Jesus honors his mother all the way up to the day he is dying on the cross. He's hanging up there, and he tells John to take care of Mary. Take care of my mom. He shows love for her his whole life. So he's clearly not disrespecting her here, dishonoring her. That would be somehow a sin. That's what the commandments say. We're supposed to honor our father and mother. So he's not sinning here. What he's doing is he's creating a healthy differentiation. He's saying, mom is wrong in this moment. And that's okay. Because I've come for one thing only, to actually save her even. And so we see here, though, that The other fruit we see that Jesus' family got the picture is that two of the New Testament writers were his brothers, James and Jude, who probably were amongst, I mean, James was definitely there when Jesus was teaching. They were probably there trying to collect him, one of them at least. And James and Jude both got the picture and they both end up being Christians and they believe in their brother as their Lord and Savior and they write letters in the New Testament. So Jesus taking the stand here doesn't dishonor them or disrespect them. This is actually inviting them into something bigger. He's showing them what's most important. His natural family gets to be a part of his spiritual family. 
And we're called to the same, to minister to our natural families. But we are also called to minister to our spiritual family. So as I said, this is our new family, the church. We see Jesus giving the body of believers priority in his life in this passage. He understands his call to come to them, to love them, to bring them to himself. And as we've said, he wins the forgiveness of our sins for them. And now he calls us into that same ministry. He calls us into that ministry of loving and caring and building up the body. It's one of the things I often say about church is that we need to gather together because we need to remember what he's done for us. We need to be reminded. There's so many things that we get hit with throughout the week that compete for our attention or that compete for our allegiance or that just beat us down to the point where we're so tired. And I need to come back to church to be reminded, to remember what God has done for me. I need brothers and sisters who can tell me about Jesus again. I'm often like Jesus' mother and his brothers in this passage, where I get caught up in reputation, or I get caught up in fear about how it's going to look, you know, if somebody uh, knows something about me and my faith. I get caught up in the status quo. And sometimes that, frankly, crowds out my desire to want to serve the Lord. It crowds out my faithfulness. You know, I certainly can get into a pity party and I can go into dark places where I'm, you know, pretty discouraged about things. And I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded where my life truly exists. I need to hear your testimonies. That's what we're here for. We're here to be reminded today, to hear the good news again. And I need to hear your testimonies uh, in those moments where I've lost sight of what's most important. I need to hear about your hope in God. I need to hear about how God has met you in your brokenness, or when you're feeling depressed, or when you've felt really anxious about something, how God met you there. I need that kind of encouragement, because I can't muster that stuff, up, that stuff up on my own. I'm not supposed to be able to do it on my own. That's why God put us in a family. I need others. We need each other. And I also need to receive forgiveness because I still hurt people. That's one of the wonderful things about the church is that there are all these wonderful opportunities to engage with people that are different from us. And I say that kind of, you know, jokingly because they create conflict. It's one of the things that one of my mentors said when two or more people are gathered together, you know, you think, oh, the Lord is with them. That's the way that continues. He said, when two or more people are gathered together, expect conflict. <laughs> and I was shocked by that, but it's true that we are different, and it's the, in the conflict, in the kind of uh, vigorous fellowship, that's when we actually learn what it actually means to be a, fellow, a fellowship of believers. That's where we get to experience Grace, because that's where we get to extend forgiveness to one another. And I need that. I need that from you because I don't live perfectly, and I need grace from you. These are one of the things, this is one of the things that's so vital to our, our fellowship as believers. It's why it's not good for us to be off on our own, just Jesus, me, and my Bible. I actually need you because I need to be reminded of God's grace, 
and I need to experience his grace through you. So we need ministry, and that's what I'm saying to you today. You have a ministry. You have a ministry. You're a part of God's family. You are here today, and you have a ministry in God's family. We need your ministry. We're not in this thing alone. The thing that bonds us together, as we've said, is God's grace. And this is the doing the will of his Father. When Jesus says, my brother and my sister and my mother are all those who do the will of the Father in heaven, this is it. It's sharing God's mercy and grace with others. It's extending his love to others. It's serving others. This is the will of his Father. This is the good fruit that comes out of being reminded again that Jesus Christ died for you and loves you. And the promise that we get from the Lord is that this fruit isn't stagnant. It continues to bear more fruit. That's one of the amazing things about love, is it actually begets love. It's a creative word. So when I experience forgiveness from you, when I have you know, put my foot in my mouth, which I never do, Trevor's going to be upset that I threw him under the bus at the beginning of the service. And I'm going to need to ask for forgiveness from Trevor. It's okay, Trevor and I do it every week. And, um, but that idea, when I put my foot in my mouth and I experience that grace again, that makes me want to love somebody else. That actually makes me want to extend grace to someone else. It's a creative word. This is how God's love works. It makes something new, and it brings new life in other people. And we need this. We need this. That's why we're here today. This is the fruit right now is that you're here. You know that you need Jesus. If we're honest, most of us are just making it through the week. If we're honest with ourselves, you know, you probably have a breakdown in your kitchen every now and again where you're venting to your spouse about something that's happened or you're calling your friend up and you're venting to them and telling them how terrible your week has been or what so-and-so said at work, these types of things. We're just making it half the time, and we need grace. We need Jesus' love again. We need each other's fellowship every day. And so I want you to hear that, that you bring that good news for those around you. We need your ministry. I need your ministry. We need your ministry here in the church. We need you. We heard it two weeks ago with Paul when he was talking about the different members of the body. He said that none of them are expendable, that each member is indispensable. God wanted you. That's why you're here. And he's got a specific call for you to walk for him in the midst of us. And so we need your ministry. We need your gifts, your experiences because they bring a blessing to us, and they bring a blessing to those who don't yet know him. This is the good news of God's, God's grace calling us to be his own. So if you're wondering, how can I serve? That's one of the things I want to encourage you to think about. How can I serve? What are my gifts? What am I called to do? Ask that question of the Lord. Say, Lord, how do you want me to serve your body? How do you want me to walk in this place? How am I supposed to uh, be a minister to people here? I know if you're interested in talking that through with someone, I would love to talk with you. Trevor would love to talk with you. Chris would love to talk with you. Any of us would love to hash that out. There's tons of ways you can get involved here. One of the main ones we encourage is life groups. If you want to experience what it means to really walk with other believers, a life group is the best way to do it because you get into 
other people's lives. You get into intimacy. You get those opportunities for grace. You get those opportunities for loving on each other. But there's other ways too. You could be uh, you know, a lay reader. You could serve on the altar guild. You could sing. If you want to be on the worship team, you know, talk to Trey. We would love to have people who want to step up and use their gifts. Maybe hospitality is your gift. You know, maybe you can make this place a more welcoming place. These are things, all of this works together for the good of God's body. All of this works together to bring others in. And maybe you have giftings in areas that I've never even thought of. That's one of the coolest things about being a part of the body of Christ, is that God has actually made us all unique, and he might be calling you to do something new. And that's awesome, and we need it as a church. So please, come talk to one of us if, that's, if you want to think through how you might serve. I want to encourage you that God has a ministry for you. Whether you see it or not, God has one for you, and he's calling you into it. I want to encourage you to step into that, to fulfill Jesus' mission here. Remember that we are family, and we need each other, and we need to go out and share it with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the fact that you call us to be your own, that you make us your brothers and sisters, that because of you, we are heirs of God. Thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that you want us, uh, we want to use us to do the will of your Father. I pray that you would, you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to the things you have for us, that you would show us and lead us into our callings. And Lord Jesus, that it would bless the body and that it would in turn bless the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.